We have been in a series called The Always God. And does anybody remember uh, all the other sermon titles throughout the past few weeks? Always speaking, that is true. That's one. Always seeing, always hearing. Persevering, I think, might be one. Pursuing, I think we've named four. So that means we're on the last one. Uh, this is week week five. And just in case you're like, oh, man, I missed one week. If you visit our YouTube channel, you can uh, you can you can see the messages from the past weeks. They're all right there for you, uh, just ready to go, uh, so that you can get caught up. And before I before I jump in to the word this morning, just a a point of uh, of uh, I guess a point of order. Uh, no, that's not it. That's something different. Where the business meeting was last week. Um, just to just because I know a few people had some questions. We are we are holding communion on Good Friday coming up in a couple of weeks. I know people were like, "It's communion." No, it's not. Don't worry, we got it. Don't worry. Good Friday uh, coming up, April fourteenth. At what time? Ten. Make sure it's long time SPC people. Make sure you guys write that down in your calendars. All right. Make sure you set your alarms. Ten a.m. is what time service starts. We don't want you guys pulling up at 11 a.m. after the communion has been served and we're all starting to exit. And you're like, I missed it. Nope. 10 a.m. We're telling you this now. 10 a.m. Good Friday. And then Easter Sunday coming up. Obviously, the Sunday after Good Friday. Um, okay. For those of you who... Uh, okay, let me tell you something weird about myself. Um, I love TLC. I love HD, HGTV as well. Like, I love just, like, I'll, like, sometimes somebody will be watching TLC, and then I'll, I'll, I'll roll up, like, and I'm like, oh, sweet, and I'll watch, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave at the commercial break. And then the commercials happen, and I don't leave, right? Like, you're just fascinated. HGTV, like, the Property Brothers, I love the Property Brothers, and not because that one brother has good hair. Like, I just, I love, like, Watching them find a find a like you know an old home and restore it, I, I love that. And, and and love it or list it is also one of my favorites. You know, and they get to the end like, will they love it or will they list it? And I'm always I'm I'm positive every single time that they should list it. And I know this show is fixed, but but I'm positive they should list it. And then they love it. And I'm like, but you could have gotten th anyway. Uh, I guess that's homeowner problems of which I am not one of. And and when we look at the Property Brothers, I, I sometimes turn to Jamie and I say, ah, maybe we should do that. We could buy an older home, that's a little rundown, and I can fix it up. Uh, and Jamie looks at me and reminds me of one of my various projects that I uh, have failed to... Listen, I'm no handyman. You got to admit what you're not good at. I am no handyman. If you need something fixed, do not call me because uh, I will not be the one to help you out. I can't. I, I'm... I'm a, Screwdriver in my hand is pretty useless. Um, but hey, I, the Lord gave me the gift of gab. So I'm going to preach this word this morning. Uh, but I think there's something cool about fixing things up. You know, there's another show I like. I like a show called Overhaul. And I don't know if anybody has seen it. It's about like guys will take old cars and then they'll fix them up. And you're like, yo, that is something I could do. And then I think, no, that is not something I could do because I would ruin that thing. But I like the idea of restoring. And I feel like, like, like all of us, we, we saw, all of us have that desire. There's a little Tim the Toolman Taylor in all of us. We all want to be that handy person to, to sort of fix things, to restore things. 
And I believe that God has blessed some of us with that. No, God has blessed all of the, us with that desire. In fact, taking something that is old and, and broken and turning it into something that is nicer, it's a great illustration of what God does with us. He takes the spoiled, broken, busted, disgusted thing that is our life and he molds it into something amazing and unique. This morning, I want to cap off our series. I want to preach for about an hour. I don't know why you guys think when I say that it's a joke. I've got bare pages here. I'm ready to go. I've got this word here. I want to preach using it as a title, the always God, always restoring. Because as we've been looking for the past few weeks, Pastor Jeffy's led us through this series and led us through times in the word where we see that God has moved and that God is still moving today. So maybe maybe I should throw a curveball and call our message still restoring. We'll stick we'll stick with the theme though. I, I can't, it won't change it up too much. But God has never changed. He is the same God yesterday. He is the same God today and he will be the same God forevermore. The God that had encounters with Moses and David and Jacob and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego is the same God that we can encounter today. He is not a God of just yesterday. He is alive and active today. And when we talk about our God, we don't use past tense words. We don't say, oh yeah, God has moved. We don't say, yeah, God did that. We use present tense words. God is moving. God is speaking. God is hearing. God is pursuing. God is restoring. That is who our God is. Y'all are quiet this morning. Look at your neighbor. All right, we're still, you know, we're still respecting, you know what I mean? So look at your neighbor, make sure you make eye connection, eye contact, look at them. And say, neighbor, God is still restoring today. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, I'm not convinced, guys. Find somebody else, all right? Look at somebody else and say, second choice. I love you. But God is still restoring today. All right, that was a little bit better. Let's go into the word. Jeremiah chapter 18. Actually, hold on, hold on. Stephanie, I'm so sorry. Can, you played the keys so beautifully this morning. Can you, can you, can you give me a little background keyboard? No, no, just, just with a word. Just with a, just with a word. Yeah, now, now, now. Because the, the listen. When we read the word, it sounds great, but you get a little background keys in there. Boy, woo. Imagine if we had an organ, guys. Church, if we had an organ. Anyway, let me not, let me not get started. Y'all going to have me. Oh, yeah. So the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me and found the potter working at his wheel. 
but the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped and so he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over and then the Lord gave me this message oh Israel can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay as the clay is in the potter's hand so you are in my hand oh that's the word of the Lord this morning thank you Stephanie that's it Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm sorry to put you on the spot like that. When we are in the book of Jeremiah, we are dealing with one of the most important books of the Bible. I mean, they're all very important. I mean, but Jeremiah just, ah, there's a little bit something extra in Jeremiah, a little bit of in Jeremiah. And, and Jeremiah, he's known as the weeping prophet. And we'll look at that in, in a few moments. But the book of Jeremiah is prophecy. And Here's the thing about Jeremiah. He didn't have much good to say. The, the people of Israel, they were in such a state of, I, I don't even know what to call them at this point, disarray, discombobulation. They were just out to lunch, out of sorts, out of whack. They were just a mess. The kingdom was in tatters. Jeremiah, he's called, at, as scholars would say, an early age of 20. The Lord raised up Jeremiah and he was called to, to prophesy about the coming judgment of the Lord. And imagine, can you imagine this at 20 years old? The Lord says, listen, taps you on the shoulder. I don't know if God would have physically tapped him on the shoulder. I'm sure he would have spoken to Jeremiah. And he says, listen, it's your time. You are going to be my prophet to the nation. And all you have to prophesy about is gloomy news. You know what's really cool, though, about, about Jeremiah? You know what's really cool about this? Especially as we head into the Easter season. Is that when you read through the book of Jeremiah, even though things are a little gloomy, there's a bit of hope. God, he's speaking to Jeremiah later on in the book of Jeremiah, and he tells him that hope exists, and God while using Jeremiah to proclaim the Lord's disappointment in his people, he's also just saying, there's, but there's hope. There's something, someone coming. And as we read, as we see the Lord disappointed with the people, he's also revealing himself to us as we read. It's just a cool thing about the Bible that, like, it, it's kind of a, a, this might sound like a, this is what grinds my gears. I might jump on a soapbox. But people, you know, who don't read the Bible will say, oh, the Bible's ancient and it doesn't apply. But I look at them and say, dummy, do you, have you read the Bible? Have you spent time reading the Bible? You ever read the Bible and you're, you're randomly somewhere in a book, like you're in Exodus and you're reading about, and you read something and you're like, wait a second. Sounds like the culture we live in today. Or you read something in the New Testament about what Paul was dealing with and the churches of Ephesians, Philippians, Corinthians, uh, the churches in Thessalonians, all Paul's letters. You look at the, and you read about the culture that Paul's talking about. And you're like, wait a minute. Is that ancient Thessalonica or present day North America? The word of God is applicable. And just like God, the word of God never changes. It's really fascinating how God interacts with his prophets. 
God, he gets Jeremiah's attention because he's going to give Jeremiah a word and show the people and us how, how he works in, in their lives. And God is going to use something so simple or would have been simple to Jeremiah. I don't know how many of us uh, make pottery, but it, back in those days, it was a little bit more you know, prevalent. God's going to use a potter and some clay. And he's trying to tell a very simple message that the potter has power over the clay. You see, the potter, he works the clay. He forms it. He molds it into whatever he desires it to be. But the clay has to be worked. It has to be, it has to, you know, the clay has to be, be formed. It has to be worked. It has to be molded. Reworked and reformed so that it can become what the potter desires. And where there's a deficiency, the potter remakes it. And this is how God works in our lives. Because guess what? We are all broken. Now, when I say broken, I've got to be a little careful. Because in verse 4, Jeremiah says, but the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. And so he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. You see, something was wrong in, in, in the, the, the original finished product. It didn't turn out the way, the way he wanted it. So it had to be broken. It was spoiled. I, okay. Sometimes when I cook, I don't really follow a recipe. All right, I don't know about you guys, but when I cook, I'm making some chicken. I open up our spice cabinet, and I just doop doop, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. And sometimes Jamie will be like, this is really good. What did you put in it? And I'll look at her and be like, I don't know. I just, I just felt to put different things in it. You got to cook with feel, guys. All right, that's how we, we cook with a feel. You got to feel, right? But what I've learned is it doesn't work the same for baking. With baking, you have to follow a recipe. There have been multiple times where I've made stuff, baking-wise, and I thought, okay, I'm just going to feel my way through it. And when it's finished, it doesn't turn out the way I wanted it to. And then I'm sitting there sad and upset because my pineapple upside-down cake is just a weird-looking cake. And Jamie tells me, you have to follow a recipe. And I say, no. But she's right. But the thing I made comes out and it's spoiled. And with clay, when the potter is making something, when it comes out spoiled, unlike baking, I can't just dash away the bad cake I made. I have to eat it and then let it sit there because it's gross and then dash it away. Um, but unlike with the potter, you see, when, when he's made something, it hasn't turned out the way he wants it. When it's spoiled, he has to break it and put it back together and make it again. We're all like that. We're all broken. Jeremiah, he'll say something similar uh, to this phrasing in, in chapter 13 when he was commanded by God to bury and dig up a loincloth. And, and he digs it up and described it as being useless. It was broken. It was not fulfilling its intended purpose. And we're all broken in a spiritual sense. We're all corrupted by sin. When we go back to Genesis and back into the Garden of Eden and, and Satan is slithering his way up, 
And he's like, hey, Eve, eat the fruit. And she takes a bite. And this man, Adam, this guy, he bites the fruit too. And then we're done. We're done. The bond that we shared with God in the garden is broken. The relationship has been destroyed. Romans 3, verse 23, it says this. It says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You see, when sin entered the world, and because we're a part of Adam's family, the sin just continues. We're broken. We're corrupted because of sin. It spoiled us. It broke our relationship. And the only way for that relationship to be fixed, the only way for that, that clay that is spoiled to be fixed is for the potter himself to remake it. And I know I'm talking about pottery, but isn't that a sign of, isn't that a picture of salvation? Sin, it separated us. It, it broke us. It destroyed us. It spoiled us. And the brokenness that entered the world can only be solved by the gospel. And we, as people, we have to allow the potter, we have to allow the Father to form and fashion us and make us into a new creation. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, because what he prophesied was depressing to him. It broke his heart. When God shows him this, and I wonder, like, does Jeremiah just go down to, to the potter shop and just, just sit there and watch? Must have been weird for the potter. But scripture, a lot of the prophets did, did a lot of weird things. So as Jeremiah is sitting there watching this, God is saying, Jeremiah, this, my people, they're supposed to be in relationship with me. A covenant relationship with me. And they're not. Mm. Watch what Jeremiah writes in, in verse 6. He says this, O Israel, this is the Lord speaking, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand. You see, a relationship with Jesus is a beautiful, beautiful thing. An experience with the Savior is life-giving. But salvation is not where the work ends. It's where the work begins. That's where God starts to do his shaping work. Because when we look at Israel, when we look at, it's really Judah, in the, the kingdom of Judah in this passage. We see that those people, they mess up. And guess what? As much as we like to read about Israel, like, you guys, you guys are so, you guys are so foolish. You do, you do this and that, and you run away, and you come back, and you run away. You do the hokey-pokey two-step with God. You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're hot, you're cold. But as much as we read about that, you know what? We do the same thing, too. Do we not sometimes step out of God's will for us? Do we not sometimes decide to, to, to go our own way and to, to disobey God and to live in sin? 
Do we not make decisions that cause bumps? That cause imperfections to form in the clay that, that we are? Now, you might not run up on stage and slap Chris Rock. That might not be the mistake you make. But we all, we all, we all sin. But here's the beauty. See, God, that potter, that great potter, he can rework the clay that is us and remake that clay. And, it can, and we can still be used and restored. Because you see, my first point was that we are all broken. My second point is this, only God can restore the broken. The potter is in total control. Only he has the power to rework, to remake and restore. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to get, I'm, guys, okay, we need some. All right, here we go. All right. All right. It's Sunday morning. The sun was out, but it's, it's there. All right. There's no snow on the ground. Spring is starting to sprung. No, sorry. Spring has sprung. Look at your neighbor. From deep inside you, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Only God has the power to rework, to remake, and to restore. Look at that. Come on now. That's what I'm talking about. You see, we put our hope in our God, the God that restores. You see, sin, it leads to our hearts being hard. And, and we, need to take, we need to take such care of our hearts today. How do we do that? By abiding in Jesus, by remaining in Jesus. That's why we have the Word of God. Because when we read the Word of God, it speaks to us, it edifies us, builds up our faith. In times of, 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 of sorrow, we know that joy comes. In the morning, we know that hope is on the horizon. We know that God is at work. When we, when we choose not to listen to God, when we choose not to be in the Word, when we choose not to allow the Word of God to, to, to penetrate our hearts, you know what happens? Is our hearts harden towards God. And when our hearts get so hard, God has to break us in order to reveal to us how he can use us best. Uh, but I said earlier that we don't speak about God in the past tense because God is still restoring today. And maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, maybe you'll watch us later on the week, and you're, you're sitting there and you, you know you're like, ah, yeah, oh, something. I'm just, I'm not, not the same Maybe sin and deceitfulness has led you to a place of, of, of brokenness. Maybe the pains of life have, have caused you to lose hope. But I want you to know that, that with Jesus, it's never, ever hopeless. We, we were talking at, at youth a couple of the last two Fridays. We were talking about Lazarus. And how Lazarus, he dies. And, and Jesus is like, okay, I'll be there. And Jesus shows up after Lazarus is in the tomb. 
they had lost all hope. But with Jesus, it's, it's not totally hopeless. Because Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. When it all seemed hopeless, hope walks into town. With Jesus, it is not hopeless. With Jesus, we know it won't stay dark. And, you know, sometimes it feels like there's no way out. But there is. No matter what you've done, the potter can still remake you into something beautiful. That is who our God is. God is a master restorer. You might think you're broke, busted, and disgusting, but that ain't it. To God, you're still a beautiful creation. Remember that story in John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery? The religious leaders, they, they, were trying to, they were trying to trap Jesus because they, they hated Jesus. Like, I mean, they hated Jesus. They were like, yo, who's this guy? He's ruining our flex, coming, in, coming into our, our spot and just trying to take away our things and take away the money that we're making. You know what I mean? This is what they were about. They were about this life that wasn't honoring God. For those of you who don't understand what I just said, I realize that, sorry, I, ju I jumped into to youth mode for a second there. I said that Jesus came into town. Jesus showed up on the scene. And the religious leaders had a certain way of doing things. And when Jesus showed up, he was like, no, that's not how it's done. This is the way. And the religious leaders did not like that at all. And so they concocted this plan to, to, to bring this woman to Jesus thinking, we got him. We're gonna, we got him. We're going to get him to say something wrong. But what they don't know is that Jesus is the word. And he knows the word. And they, they catch this woman and they bring her to Jesus. And they don't, bring her, they don't bring her to Jesus like, you know, oh, Jesus, can we go see you like in the prayer room? We just want to discuss this. No. You see, because they want to embarrass Jesus. So they brought him what people were around. Because they were like, yeah, we're going to get you now. And so this whole crowd of people are watching. And the Pharisees bring this woman to Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 10, 11. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, because you see, they bring her to Jesus, but none of them could, could stand up to what Jesus says. They bring her to Jesus, but none of them were without sin. None of them could throw the first stone. None of them were perfect enough. You see, Jesus says, uh, Jesus, as they were demanding an answer, he says in verse 7, uh, all, they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again. See, because Jesus, he was on the ground. Let me paint this picture. Jesus was on the ground writing something. Oh, man, I'm getting old. He's writing something. writing in the dust and they they keep demanding an answer and he stood up and he said all right but let let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone and then he stooped down again and, and he wrote in the dust and when the accusers heard this they slipped away one by one beginning with the oldest until only jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman verse 10 then jesus stood up again and said to the woman where are your accusers didn't even one of them condemn you no lord she said and jesus said Neither do I go and sin no more. 
we don't really know what Jesus wrote in the ground. Some people say it's the Ten Commandments. Uh, who knows? But I wonder, I just wonder what that scene must have looked like. I wonder what was going through that woman's mind at that time. You see, in that moment, Jesus, he doesn't condemn her. Jesus, he doesn't say, ah, they caught you, so. He redeems her. He picks her up in the lowest moment of her life and speaks words of life to her. He deals with her accusers. Deals with the Pharisees. They slink off, oldest to youngest. That's very significant, but uh, I'm not going to go into that this morning. And Jesus, in the distortion of this woman, he shows us how God deals with us and our sin. He restores no matter how broken and messed up we are. You don't seem convinced, though. Because I thought I had to get a hallelujah or something there. That wasn't good enough for you? Okay, what about Peter? Peter, the disciple. You remember Peter, or, well, I guess I'm going to ruin Good Friday. Um, but if you've never read the story before, I'm going to ruin Good Friday. But we are people of the word, amen? That's what I thought. <laughs> Peter, remember Peter? God, I, I won't deny you. I'm going to be right by your side. Peter is going to stand tall. He was going to be Jesus' bodyguard. He's like, yo, I'm going to be with you for real, for real. When, when things pop off, Jesus, I'm going to be right by your side, fam. I'm not going to desert you. I'm not going to take off. I'm not running. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be a captain in the Lord's army. That's, that's legit, almost legit, word for word what Peter said. And then, when the fire gets a little hot, listen, Peter, my man, my man could be in the Olympics. I bet you never seen a 100-meter dash like Peter's that night. He was gone. And then, and then, when they're outside, Peter, you know, uh, someone's like, okay, a couple things. Remember last time I told you that uh, I spoke, I, I told you that I grew up watching, you know, Bible stories for kids, The Greatest Adventures. So sometimes when I picture certain aspects of the Gospels, I look, I see the videos that I watched. And so I remember, it might have been The Greatest Adventure stories, but Peter's outside by the fire and a girl's like, hey, Peter, weren't you with Jesus or weren't you one of them? And the, the image is Peter by the fire and his beady eyes because that's how the animation was. Uh, when I was growing up, like you see his eyes and Peter's like, no, it wasn't me. And Peter denies him three times. And the rooster crows. And imagine how broken Peter is. The embarrassment, the embarrassment, the shame. You imagine the first time Jesus and Peter locked eyes after that? Denies Jesus three times after he said he was going to stand tall. After he said he wouldn't deny Jesus. Mm, Peter. I don't know if you guys remember this, but last year, Pastor Jeff, uh, he preached. And I know this because I look at all of our videos that go up online. So I have a 
very vivid memory of everything we've uh, done for the last couple of years. Last year, Pastor Jeffy pre preached a message called Breakfast on the Beach. Remember that? Remember that? was a good one. Um, I thought about playing the whole message for you guys this morning, uh, but then I would have to preach. Would, the sermon would have been two hours uh, this morning. Uh, but let me give you a quick version of that message. You see John chapter 21, Jesus appears to the disciples as they're fishing. And three times Jesus asked Peter if he loves him. And every time Peter says yes. And as Jesus, that physical response, that physical interaction, what's happening is Jesus is taking the clay that is Peter, that clay that was spoiled and stuck in his misery of denying Jesus, and he's molding that clay and he's giving him a new mission of tend to my sheep. Jesus doesn't shame Peter. He doesn't say, hey, bro, remember, um, my, my brother, you remember that time when you denied me, not once, not twice, but three times? Jesus doesn't do that. No, no condemnation. He gives him a new, he gives him a new mission a new mandate. And, and on the day of Pentecost, Peter is the one who preaches. And many people come to Christ. Now, on this rock, I will build my church. And the rock is Peter? God wants to restore. There is no project that can overwhelm him. There is no problem that is too big. There is no lump in the clay that is too big. The clay that is you is not beyond the reach of the Father. And he longs to make you into his perfect creation. Paul writes that we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. You are not the sum of your sins. You are what God created. And when you allow God to mold you, you become something more than what you thought you could do. See, when God gets into the restoration business and he puts you on that pottery machine, and he starts to mold you. He gives you ability. He gives you strength. He gives you inspiration. He makes you into something that gives God the glory. There's something real cool about all those uh, Discovery Channel or TLC channels and HGTV channels, especially when they're remaking cars or, or houses. I've never seen, even on Love It or List It, I've never seen people walk into a house that's been renovated and be like, well, that's okay. That's nice. Oh, that's a nice shade of white. I really love that accent wall. When someone gets that, that car that's been restored, I've never seen, especially someone, I've never seen them go, oh man, wow, you guys really fixed the cassette player. That's awesome. No, there, there's always an excitement. There's always this, this joy. There, there, there's always this awe because something that was broken down, something that was busted, something that was useless, something that didn't work the way it was intended to work, the, that's been taken away and it's been restored and not just restored to what it was, 
but it's been made even better. God doesn't just restore, he restores to something better. Ezekiel 36, 11 says this, I will increase not only the people, but also your animals. O mountains of Israel, I will bring people to live on you once again. I will make you even more prosperous than you were before. Then you will know that I am the Lord. See, this is what God does. He doesn't just restore you to what was. He restores you to something greater, into something that is going to be great. That is what the world needs to see. That is the transformation that people in these streets need to see. The transformation that only comes when we allow the Father God to transform us. When we allow the Father God to be the potter of our lives. That only comes when we sit down and sit back and say, God, you are in control. I decrease so that you can increase in my life. That transformation only comes when we allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate to us what God is wanting to do with us. And oh, I hope that people see that transformation. You know, one of my biggest problems that I have with Christians is that we think that we are the ones that do the restoring. And that is not our job. Our job is to tell people who the restorer is. Our job is not to be the person that says, oh yeah, I'm going to make you into the perfect disciple. No, our job is to lead them and to share our story so people can see the transforming power that is our God. And when people come into contact with our God, when people come into contact with Jesus, when they experience Jesus, the real Jesus, and have an encounter with the Spirit, they can do nothing but bow down and allow him to do that. And oh, I hope they ask us questions. Oh, I, 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 I hope people look at you and say, oh, there's something different about them. That's not the same person I knew before. And we tell them our story. We tell them about God. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit does the work. And all we have to tell them is this, that the greatest restorer ever wants to restore you today too. That is who our God is. He is always and still restoring. That is who God is. That is his character. It takes a lot of love to restore something. It takes a lot of patience to restore something. And that's what God does. Sometimes some of us we have a lot more lumps God says, okay, I'm going to work with you. If you trust me, I'm going to lead you. If you trust me, it's going to hurt. There will be pain. But you'll come out better for it. Our God is always restored. 
Thanks for listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stouffville Pentecostal Church, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Have a great week.